It is Thursday, April 7th. This is Jaguars Happy Hour. And now the problem with his golf game is that he's standing too close to the ball after he hits it. J.P. Shetrick. One of many issues with it. And welcome in. It's Jaguars Happy Hour. My name's J.P. Shadrick. We've got a busy show ahead as usual. Jaguars analyst Jeff Lagerman joining us. We're about 15 minutes away from Mike Caldwell, Jaguars defensive coordinator, joining us live in studio. We'll get his thoughts about the Jaguars free agency class. A couple of additions, well, three additions on defense of the, the big three at the start of free agency. And uh, what it's been like to kind of craft this defense and Hey, the players come in next week for the off-season program, the voluntary part of it, and they'll have a chance to, finally to sit down with the players. We'll uh, get with Mike Caldwell coming up. Prospect visits are underway. You've seen reports of players around the Jags facility, and, of course, we'll go around the NFL. Plenty of news around the league. Jeff Logeman joining us now. Good afternoon to you, Logs. How you doing, JP? Doing well. Thank you. You, you a golfer? Uh, very rarely and, and very poorly. Really? Yes. I see that uh, Tiger Woods has just about completed his round. He's minus one. Yeah, he uh, he just birdied 16 yeah, on like a 25-foot putt. Place went nuts. And uh, it, that, that's been the big watch today because you don't know. It's the walk, really, for him. He said he can hit all the shots still in his press conferences earlier this week. And so far, it's proven out that way. Yeah. That, uh, I, I played golf a lot when I was younger. I don't play anymore yeah. for the most part. And uh, but uh, to to watch him and to see him, what he's doing right now, I, I mean, wow! Uh, congratulations to him to be able to fight back from the accident that he had. What was it about a year ago? So Fourteen months ago. Yes. Fourteen months ago, and to 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 see him playing in a tournament. Uh, congratulations to him. That's cool stuff. It really is. We'll see how the rest of the weekend goes. But the uh, the Jaguars. Things are about to get busy. Prospect visits what? are underway. The off-season program is next week. Uh-oh. Uh, there was a, you know, there's reports about the draft and what the Jags may or may not do there. That always is happening. So the draft talk will be endless never until end. it happens. And then of course when it happens, then the next draft talk well, begins. Well, wait a minute. But then you got grades and uh, did they do good? <laughs> you know, how would their draft class yeah. go? Everybody's got to put a grade on it, you know, and but until then you got to have a thousand mock drafts, and uh, and and I think this draft is is kind of interesting from my standpoint. Is that you know I only watch the top. Eventually, I'll watch the top you know fifty seventy five guys something like that first couple rounds, and uh, on a normal draft year, there's usually about five guys somewhere in that range. Could be less, could be a little bit more. That usually are at the top of the draft, and you say that that is the elite part of the draft, and. Do you have that elite five guys in this draft class? I don't think you do. And I think that that makes the Jaguars to be in a position that may be unenviable or not very enviable because you'd like to be somewhere to where you feel like you're in a position of strength as far as drafting, where you're in a spot that other teams would like to be. And I don't, I don't, I don't get that feeling from watching some of these prospects because you know it, it, people have asked me before, hey, who do you think the top five guys are? And I can tell you, JP, I can take about ten guys, yeah. maybe about fifteen guys, and honestly, on one day I'll pull five guys out of that out of that bag and and put them in order, 
and then ask me again tomorrow, and I may change my mind because there are there's a lot of guys that are real close, really close. So I, I think it's going to be really interesting. And I wish it was a draft class because the Jaguars have the first overall pick. I wish it had a clear-cut number one quarterback. Oh, that would help because everything. Because if you had oh. that, you would be in the catbird seat like nobody's business. But you're not because that quarterback is not there. It doesn't exist. Now, does it exist for – the fifth pick, the sixth pick, the seventh pick. That may be where that first quarterback ends up falling to. But nobody's fighting to get to number one. No. No, because a lot of people think, hey, look, if I move to five or six, I might be able to get there. Some people may say they can get that quarterback at seven. You know, this came up on, I think, the Huddle Up podcast yesterday with Bucky. Would Josh Allen, the Jaguars' Josh Allen, if he was coming out this year in this group of prospects, would he be – the number one pick. Would he be the best player in this draft He'd class? be in the conversation. I mean, I mean, literally, I mean, I think that that's what this draft class is. And that was Josh Allen one of those five elite prospects? I think he was right there. Right there. Yeah. And he slipped, remember? Like, there was slipped a, a little weird bit. thing above him. And, and don't, then... don't know exactly why, okay? Um, well, they, the the Raiders picked the different guy. They they picked Cleveland Farrell, and yeah, like, but I mean, I don't doing? understand why that right. happened. Yeah, I mean, I, right. was that was that Mike was, Mayock? Was, was that John Gruden? I mean, who who knows? But there, there's absolutely when it happened, because I had watched the film on both of the guys, Josh and then the the whoever the Raiders picked, Cleveland Farrell, Cleveland yeah. Farrell, mm-hmm. and I and I went, I can't believe they did that, and I and I said that on yeah. a broadcast with me and Frank and Tony, and I was like, I can't believe that the Raiders drafted Cleland Farrell. Are you kidding me? What a mistake. And then it pushed Josh Allen down to the Jaguars, and I was like, this is a no-brainer. And I guarantee you that if you asked the people that were in that room and got the truth that they felt that there was no way that Josh Allen would have been available to them at that spot. But he was. Works in mysterious ways. So would he be yeah, in the discussion? Be? Absolutely he'd be in the discussion yeah. at first overall pick just because of his, his versatility. I mean, he's Aiden Hutchinson. I mean, Josh Allen, when he was at Kentucky, was an Aiden Hutchinson. The only thing I All think right. that that may have may, may give Aiden Hutchinson a little bit of uh, the lead over a Josh Allen if they were in the same draft yeah. class right now might be that Aiden Hutchinson played at Michigan or plays at Michigan – and Josh was at Kentucky. Now, no, Kentucky's not Eastern Kentucky or right. Western it's an Central SEC Kentucky. School, SEC school. And they had a fantastic year that year. They were on TV a lot, like the national game a lot. I mean, they were out there. He was the SEC Defensive Player of the Year, and so he had a lot of things going. But, but I, I get, get what you're saying. I get your, yeah, and I, and, I, and I get your point that he probably wouldn't be, would be in the conversation for the first overall pick of the draft. And I think that that's a very interesting conversation. And I, I will tell you this, that you know, we're, we're going to talk about some of the other prospects because, you know, uh, there, there's a safety at Notre Dame. There's mm-hmm. a, a, you know, a, a defensive uh, outside linebacker that hasn't and thinks he should be in the conversation with the first overall pick. There's a Greek pass rusher who goes to Purdue, who I love. <laughs> Uh, there's a lot of prospects that are that are very interesting in this draft class, and I think that if you were, I think your your most value is going to be somewhere in the middle of the first round. To be honest with you, 
because I think that you're going to get a really good player in the middle of the first round. So I would put it this way. If the Jaguars could trade the first overall pick and move to five overall and then maybe pick up a second-round pick, I mean, I'd do it in a minute. I would. I would sure. do it in a minute. Yeah, why not? Get more picks. Get more picks, and uh, I don't think being in the in the top five is that important this year. Jaguars happy hour on ten ten XLAM and Jaguars dot com. JP Shadrick with Jeff Lagerman. This is prospect visit time. Each team gets thirty visits of prospects. It can be uh, any level. Doesn't matter. All that you can invite anybody you want. In fact, there was one team that invited a former lacrosse player to come as a visit. I, of course, played quarterback at Division Two last do they, year. Do they have to publish? Yes. You have to put your list out. Everybody knows who's coming, so you have to strategize a little bit. You may not want to put out who yeah, you're really that's, taking. And that's kind of my point is that because you, you're you're publishing that, are there some is or are some of the visits just a simple smoke screen? Could be. Maybe. Could be. I will tell you this, that I think if any teams waste a visit on a smokescreen, then I think they're making a, a major mistake. You've got, you've got to – because the, here's the thing. Nobody knows how much you truly covet somebody or where you covet somebody. You may bring one of those 30 in that you like in round three. But does that mean that you bring somebody in who you would not draft at all to pass up the opportunity to get further evaluation of somebody that you would absolutely draft? I think that that would be crazy if you would do that. You can't pass up the opportunity to gather more information to simply create a smokescreen. Because there are players that you want to like that you like in round one, in round two, in round three, in round four. So Bring in guys throughout the draft class that you like. Don't waste those 30 visits on, oh, well, we just want to throw some people off the trail. It's a waste of time. When those visits happen, I don't know, did you do these when you were playing? No, the, they didn't have they it. They didn't have it. They no, didn't they didn't have it. No, they, it, it, when, when I was coming out, the combine was the combine. That's still what it is today as far as the physical testing and the physical evaluation, mm-hmm. medical checks. That's all unchanged. The part that's a little bit different is the interview process. It was very informal at the Combine. You didn't have these structured, you get 15 minutes with each team, and then they blow a horn, and then you move off to the next station. They didn't do that. It was was very very informal. Yeah. Very informal. Hey, look, uh, would you like, can you come and talk to, uh, at the time it was Marty Schottenheimer with the Kansas City Chiefs, Carl Peterson and Marty Schottenheimer. Can you you come and talk to them? Sure, I'll, I'll come talk to them. And sat down and talked with those two guys. And talked with some different personnel guys and different coaches and such. But and then after the the combine, there was no. We didn't have a pro day at University of Virginia. We just look. I was open for business. Come to the football office. They'll call me and say, "Hey, look, Dave Wanstead of the Dallas Cowboys is going to be here on Tuesday. Can you work out for him?" Sure, man, yeah, no problem. So I worked out for Dave Wanstead. Worked out for different coaches, you yeah, know, from different yeah. football Other days teams. they'd call you and come on down. Yeah, yeah. so, I mean, it wasn't yeah. like one day. I mean, I think I worked out about <laughs> ten times for ten different people and, and probably about five different teams. Pittsburgh Steelers, the New York Jets, the Dallas Cowboys uh, were among quite a few of them. But it was – it's just – it's just so more refined now and more planned now than it ever has been. But 
the 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 purpose of it all hasn't changed though which is the, they're trying to gather as much information as they can but we did not never traveled jp to answer the original question you did not never traveled to another team's facility to have a conversation that didn't happen i don't i don't even think yeah. it was allowed yeah when is at that at that time when did that really become a thing 10 years ago 15 yeah, years ago I, I think so something like that because i mean it just that that wasn't a, that wasn't allowed as far as i knew hmm. So, I mean, they could come to you, but they could not or wouldn't, didn't fly you into their place to talk to you in person. That was, just didn't happen. By the way, at the airport, because I guess a lot of these reports that some of these prospects were in town Monday, and I'm sure more were in. There's different days. I mean, in different organizations. I think in the past year they did, like, everybody in two big days, but maybe they're spreading out some according to reports now. I mean, it's just yeah. different, different approaches. And yeah. I heard that you know, Aiden Hutchinson, Aquanu, uh, the tackle mm-hmm. from NC State, was in town. I can tell you he was in town for sure. I saw him at the airport. Big? Big. Big. <laughs> Real big. big. I mean, I'm talking big dude. <laughs> I mean, when I say big, <laughs> the arguably one of the biggest chest upper bodies that uh, you would ever see on a human being. I mean, really? He's, oh, he's like barrel chested, barrel chested. Uh, he's a big guy now because when you watch the film on him, when he when he finishes guys, he has the ability to what I call throw guys out of the bar, and just by pushing, by pressing guys with his upper body. And when I got the chance to see him in person, I was coming in uh, on the airport uh, or through the airport on on Monday and happened to see him going out in the afternoon. I was like, that's a big dude. And, you know, some might ask, hey, how did you know it was him? Well, you probably know it's him. I mean, he's that bigger than well, I know what he looks like the airport too. I know what he looks like I mean, but he's so. six foot five and 330 yeah, yeah I mean it kind of sticks out in the airport you, <laughs> you know think what I mean? <laughs> yeah it's kind of hard think he to, was sitting in coach either it's kind of hard to miss miss a guy <laughs> when he is that big I can tell you that he's a he's a monster guy I mean he's big 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 now when Aiden Hutchinson you know he might be able to squeeze by without you know noticing but you know a guy that's three 20-ish, you know, 315, 320, and, and has, has got that barrel chest, it's kind of hard not to notice that. Because my first thing was like, that dude's big right there. But I bet you he lifts weights. <laughs> and I looked closer and I said, that's icky, man. That's icky. Cool. Let's come back in a moment. Uh, we're out to Mike Caldwell, defensive coordinator. He'll be joining us uh, at some point very soon here on the program, here Good. on Jaguars Happy Hour. And uh, there's no better time to become a Daily's Place Blue member than right now. Get access to the best seats and amenities, premium parking, and more for all shows during 2022. This year's shaping up to be one of the best yet. Dave Matthews Band two nights, Keith Urban two nights, and so much more. Email ticketing at boldevents.com or call 904-633-2000. We're off and running. It's Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. Yeah, Mike and I go way back, uh, you know, as as players together. Um, I've always had a lot of respect for him. You know, we worked together on Coach Reed's staff, you know, in Philadelphia. Um, you know, I, I also worked with Todd Bowles. And so when, when Todd when Todd left, you know, he, always, he took Mike with him. And so I've always followed Todd and Mike, kind of their defenses, whether in New York and Arizona, Tampa Bay. Um, 
and, and always felt like Mike Mike would make a really good defensive coordinator one day, you know, just given an opportunity. And that's that's kind of like when I was a coordinator. Somebody had to give me an opportunity, right? And um, he and I got to have a great relationship. And uh, I'm just I'm excited to watch him to watch him work, call defenses, and uh, you know, go to work this year. That's head coach Doug Peterson last week at the NFL annual meeting in Palm Beach. Discussing Jaguars defensive coordinator Mike Caldwell, longtime player in the NFL, longtime coach in the NFL, J.P. Shadrick, Jeff Lagerman. It's Jaguars happy hour. And speaking of, here's Mike Caldwell in studio with us. It's great to see you. Thanks for the time today, Coach. Oh, thanks for having me. So uh, here we are. You, You heard Doug Peterson there last week. You've known this guy for a long time. Played together in the league, kind of, and now finally get to be on a staff with him again. You were with him in Philadelphia. Um, how has it been the first few months settling in as a coaching staff here together? Been uh, been great. Really uh, a lot of work that's going in. Uh, everyone excited, trying to get in, get the scheme going, get the lay of the land, and just uh, excited, ready to go, ready to get the players in here. How many, how many guys on the defensive staff did you have a relationship with prior to being named the defensive coordinator? Pretty much everyone except uh, Coach Gilbert. And Coach Sutton, everyone else uh, knew those guys from whether it was from in Arizona or Philadelphia or even uh, Tampa Bay. So uh, the staff has really came together pretty pretty good, and you know we're in there, we're grinding it out, and just ready to go. How, and now what is it? I think next week the players are allowed to be in. You guys aren't allowed to put your hands on them just yet, but how nice will that be? Because when you coach, you got to have players, and so now the players will finally be coming in here in, in about a week or so. Yeah, it's a uh, off season is strange. You can meet the guys, but you're unable to coach the guys. And I consider coaches teachers, so it's hard to be a teacher when you have no one to teach. So we're teaching and bouncing things off each other now, and real excited, ready to get the players in here so we can let them have it and understand and see what they grasp and what they don't, then get it to them another way. Yeah, that's the thing. Uh, Mike Caldwell with us, the uh, Jaguars defensive coordinator here on Jaguars Happy Hour. You can have a defensive scheme in mind, a plan, put some things in, but then if the players and the personnel have a different way of doing it or can't, you know, or have different things, you have to adjust on the fly. That's what this offseason is about, figuring out what your your players do best, right? Exactly. That's where the camps come in. As soon as we can get there and get them out, uh, able to run around and go against the offense, now we can actually see what guys can do. And I'm a big believer of if you can do it well, let them do that. Don't ask them to do something they don't do well. So I would need to find out what everyone can do well, and we'll uh, scheme it around their uh, ability. So with uh, part of this process, when you have a new staff and, and first-time defensive coordinator, everybody's got to learn to speak the same language, okay? Everybody needs to know what a pirate or a spike or a ram or all these different terminologies are. Are you starting to get to that point where everybody is starting to speak the same language? We're, we're trying to. There's uh, Pat Riley. He's a holdover from the last staff, a uh, brilliant guy, and he's really our quality control. So he handles most of the – playbook stuff so we're actually putting it on him to make sure everyone's speaking the same language you might call the halfback a R and everyone else calls it a H so that's the type of stuff that we're working through right now and it's going great the guys are there real receptive of learning new things because 
just like you said, with terminology, it's going to be different. You're not going to call it the, what you've called it for the last four or five years. So you're going to have to understand it and learn it and be able to teach it once the players get here. Yeah, I'm sure that there will be mistakes made. You, you make a, a, a call or you use a term that may have been from a previous stop, and that's just part of the growing process. But one of the parts of the process that I'm excited about was I had the opportunity to watch the film of the guys that you acquired in free agency and want to start with Luikan, yeah. the linebacker from the Atlanta Falcons. And I know that that's a position that you hold near and dear to your heart. And when I turned the film on, watching him, what I loved about him, downhill linebacker that's decisive and he's got a great motor, but he's got the conditioning to support that motor. That's the thing. Uh being a former linebacker, you look for guys that have certain traits, and he has the traits of he's going to be a leader out there, not because he's standing in front of the huddle, but because he's out there and he's working hard and he's leading guys and he's doing it by example. He's a guy, just like you said, that's going to play downhill, going to be physical, an intelligent player, went to Yale. So, you know, we're ready to get our hands on him and give him as much as he can handle. Foley Fadakasi on the defensive line, another guy, another late-round draft pick just like uh, Luikun was and has really had to really earn everything he's had in the NFL. Nothing given to those guys when they're a late-round draft pick like that. And from Fadakasi's standpoint, I mean, he didn't play much his rookie season, and then all of a sudden he's a defensive captain in New York. What is the best part of his game on that defensive line? When, when you look at him and when we dra- I drafted him, we you did. Yeah, I was on the coaching staff That's that drafted right. him. And the thing about it was he was raw when he came out. Now you can see the the talent start to bubble and come out. He's explosive. He has really strong hands. And he's a force in the middle. And that's someone that you're looking for to, you know, help stop the run, plug up the middle, and be a physical presence in the middle for offenses to have to handle. When did you see that flip for him? Like after a year, halfway through his rookie season, when did you actually see some develop, some change for him? When I actually saw it was when I turned on the film this uh, <laughs> this off season okay. and looking at a free agent. I was like, "That's the same kid." And yeah, he's he's different now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and watching him, uh, one of the things I think that's very rare. It's not very often that you have a one technique defensive tackle because he plays the one, he plays the three, but that one of those guys is elected a team captain. Most of the captains are guys that make big plays, that make a lot of sacks, that make a lot of interceptions, that make a lot of tackles. It's not very often that a nose tackle is elected a captain, and I think that speaks volumes because that's one of the things that I think has been a theme with your all's, with the free agent process that you guys executed. You got a lot of captains. How important was that to your, to your football team? I think it, it's really important. It just goes to the type of player he is and the type of person he is. He is a guy that it's going to be respected, and you get respected by doing your job well and doing it and pulling others along, and that's what leaders do. And he's uh, with the captain there, and we're looking for that same leadership to come here and infuse with the other guys that we have in the defensive line room. All right, so uh, Darius Williams, another guy that you were able to get in free agency, uh, a local guy, yes. okay, coming home. How excited was he to have the opportunity to come home and to come here and play for the Jacksonville Jaguars? Well, it's always exciting to come home and play in a stadium that you grew up watching the team play in or you're watching them on TV, but he actually gets to come home and play here for be a part of the Jacksonville team. So that's the most important thing for him. He was excited. His family's excited. And to be able to go out and play in front of your 
kids you grew up with, your family that you've seen, and they can get to the game easily. So that's uh, exciting for him, and we're excited to have him. He's a guy that brings a lot of energy, one that can go out there and make plays for us, and he's a homeboy. So it uh, it helps a lot. The, uh, the, the way it played out in Los Angeles, especially last year for him, you got Ramsey and those guys on one side. He was getting a lot of action over there. So – you know, and he stepped up to the plate and, and made some big plays for the Rams last year. That, that, that's key. Once you're put to the forefront and it's your time, again, they have a all-star corner on the other side and they think they're going to pick on you on the other side and you come there and you stand up and you get the stop, you know, that's just something we're looking for down here that he can come in and help develop with the other corners we have in the back end and trying to keep him making plays the way he did last year. It's a pretty so, good room now, by the way. That oh, yeah. cornerback room. It's, it, it, it really is. It has uh, veterans back there and also a little bit of youth, so it's going to mix together real, so, real well. When Darius says Duval, it's got a little extra meaning <laughs> uh, with got, him, I got think, A little, right? little extra meaning. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So uh, part of the process of improving your football team, it's coming up here pretty soon, the draft. So who are you going to draft? with? Uh, who, do you, who, do you, who does Mike Caldwell like? Well, right now I'm in the lab along with uh, Trent with Doug, the defense staff, we're in there trying to understand who would be the best fit for us. And we're going to go out there and get the best player, and whoever that may be, we'll be excited for him, and he'll be a jag, and we'll go out there, and we're going to expect big things from him. That's cool. It's a balance, a challenge right now. You're balancing building a scheme on defense, and then all the free agency stuff. It's all, it never really ends, but the big first couple waves are done now. And then the draft, all that's working at the same time. How challenging is that for the coaching staff to have to balance all of that at one time? It is. It's like a big puzzle. Yeah. You get different pieces, and you might get this piece, or you might have that piece, and just trying to put it together. So once you get it together, we all can be on the same page, get ready to go out there and have success. One of the things that's different, I, I don't know, what, what year did you come out in, in the draft? 93. Okay, you came out in 93. I was 89. And you guys are, I guess, still in the process where these prospects come and visit you. You get, I think, 30 guys 30, can come in. Yes. Did you do that? Was that even – when I came out, we didn't have that. The, when I came out, the best thing we that I received was a workout – and then after workout, the coach bought me. Uh, I think we went to McDonald's, so I got a <laughs> got got McDonald's. Got a free meal. Got a got a free meal uh, after going through a couple of workouts. So that was that's all you wanted, just a chance, an opportunity. And I think when the guys come here, we just want to get comfortable, get them in a different setting, show them what we're here to offer. You got them coming down to Florida, which is beautiful. So you know that's a big plus for us. How, how much do you learn? I mean, when you get a prospect to come in and, and spend some time with you like that, how much can you learn? Do you, do you get a, l a little better feel for the individual and the personality, and does it fit in that short amount of time, or is it just part of the puzzle? Really, you, once you get them in, when they come to the combine, you get them for 15 minutes. The agent can kind of prep them for everything. But when you go out to dinner with them or have them in a building for all day, you're able to find that true personality and – See if a guy will fit. What buttons can you push to get him, uh, you know, in bad situations? But really just want to get to know the person. And you've known the player by watching a film. Just uh, once you spend that time with him, get to know the person behind the player. Yeah, get an idea of what they may react to better or, or otherwise and, and keep that in your memory bank uh, moving ahead. 
Uh, Coach, thanks for the time. Uh, thanks for coming across the hallway, and always good to see you, and you're always welcome here, and, and good luck to you. Oh, thank you very much. Thank thanks you for having me. This is Mike Caldwell, Jaguars defensive coordinator. The Jags are future-focused and ready for a new look in 2022. Join us at the bank this season as Doug Peterson, Trevor Lawrence, and the Jags lead the charge to lock in your seats. Visit jaguars.com slash tickets or call 904-633-2000. This is Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. For one, his versatility was really able to, they really showed it off this last year, moving him inside, moving him outside, having the capabilities to be able to kind of live outside, even though you know he's pretty thick in stature and being able to go down inside and still be able to hold up. And I think that's where his primary value is going to be, is he can play a heavy-handed brand of football and hold up inside, yet still be loose enough and offer you enough quickness to be outside if you need it. And I, I just I think that combination is something not a lot of guys have. I mean, of course, you're going to talk a lot about his teammate in Jordan Davis, who is just an absolute boulder, somebody you're not going to be able to move, but a totally different type player as far as what he's going to be able to do and what he's going to be asked to do, most likely. So I think Trayvon's going to be a great pro. That's Cole Kublik of SEC Network. The full interview available on Jaguars.com. He is the analyst on SEC Saturday Night, former Auburn Center and uh, radio host uh, WJOX in Birmingham as well. Got his thoughts on a few of the top SEC prospects coming out, and a lot of those names have been linked to the Jaguars in different mock drafts. Welcome back. It's Jaguars Happy Hour. J.P. Shadrick with Jeff Flogman, Joe Fortunato, Brent Reber, and uh, our thanks to Mike Caldwell for uh, coming in. Jaguars defensive coordinator, a lot going on at the same time just getting into town a little later than a lot of coaching staffs might and then uh here we go hit the ground running well the the part we asked him about just because it uh we did it off the air and said you know hey you're starting to get settled because a lot of people don't understand okay you, you get a new coaching staff well you also have to change cities you have a family yeah and you have to try to get the family moved. I mean, there's a lot of moving parts for, for NFL coaches because they literally have to be a little bit part gypsy because that's kind of just the name of the game. And This uh, is the business you've chosen. Yes. Well, and I, I mean, that's what they signed up for. So, I mean, it, you know, I'm not asking anybody to feel sorry for them. I mean, just you know, that, asking people to kind of understand what they have going on in their life, and it's a lot. And uh, – and so Mike's got a lot going on, and uh, and and also being a first-time defensive coordinator, and I, so uh, yeah, I mean that's uh, and trying to learn to speak the same language. And I I brought that up because I mean JP, literally when you have and you assemble a staff, a defensive staff or an offensive staff, you're bringing in a lot of guys that you know, but they may all come from different systems. You may have spent some time together in past places, but you also have these different languages that you're all coming from most recently. And so you have to be able to all speak the same language. And so you have to decide on terminology and, uh, and everything of that nature. So that's not an easy thing to do. Not an easy thing to do at all. And the one thing I, that I like, what Doug Peterson, and I think he did this, and I think it was very smart to help out Mike because he's a first-time Caldwell's. Bob Sutton was kept on staff. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people – maybe don't appreciate and understand this, but Bob Sutton has been an extremely successful 
defensive coordinator in the National Football League before, most recently with the Kansas City Chiefs, and highly respected, highly respected. And Urban Meyer hired him. Doug Peterson kept him. Very smart. It will, that will help Mike Caldwell. It's going to be Mike's show, but, man, if, if, if I'm approaching something for the first time, to have the ability to go to somebody who's been there and done that, bounce ideas off of them, and to get that kind of that free-flowing information opinions, that's valuable, very valuable, because Mike Caldwell is going to be in a lot of places that he's never been this year. And to have somebody who has been there and to be able to lean on that past experience with somebody on staff I think is absolutely important. One of these days, we're going to put a microphone in front of Bob Sutton and get some stories out of that man on <laughs> the air. He's got some stories now. There's I've talked to him. No doubt. You know, and off the air. Absolutely. And yeah, he's got some stories. That would be a fun one for sure. Uh, of course, the draft is three weeks away from tonight. You believe that? Three yeah, weeks. Uh, by the way, the guy that uh, that you talked to on the podcast. Yeah, from Cole Kubik. Yeah, Cole yeah, Kubik. I love his opinion on on Trayvon Walker. Yes, that was. And I think he's dead on. I think I think Trayvon Walker is going to be a really good pro when he talks about heavy hands. Uh, that's uh, heavy hands. First of all, the hands need to be in the right place to be heavy to begin with, which is a technique thing. Trayvon Walker has excellent hands; they're in the right place. He plays strong. He does have the positional flexibility. He can kick down and play as a three technique. He can play defensive end uh, on in a four B. He can do it in a wide six. So I think he's got a lot of value and will have a lot of value to a team that can use a guy that can play multiple positions. Will he be right at the top of the draft? I don't know if he's going to be right at the top, but he is going to be a good football player. He's one of those guys, JP, I'm talking about, that could end up at at one, two, three, could end up at ten. It depends on what team likes what he has to offer, right? And and, and what other guys what other needs. That, that's what right. I'm saying about right. the, you know the guys that you put into a bag and yeah. you just pull five names out. That's how how they may fall. You're just not sure yet because there's a lot of guys that are that are real close together talent wise in that top ten, top twelve uh, guys. This is Jaguars Happy Hour. JP Shadrick with Jeff Logman. Glad you're with us on 1010XL AM and Jaguars Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube on this Thursday afternoon. You know, earlier you talked about some of the other prospects that you've been looking at on film. We've heard mm-hmm. about the big names. Last week we did the big four, the two big tackles, the two big defensive linemen, including Walker. But there's a few other names that people will hear early in this draft and maybe not as early as you would think. But uh, let, let's start with a guy like you, know, you were talking about, the, the, the Greek guy from Purdue Purdue that you like. Karlaftis, yes. I think is how you pronounce his last name. Correct. George uh, Karlaftis. George Karlaftis. And uh, he's he wears a single-digit number, number five. And when you watch him play, this guy, he, he might be – the best pass rusher in the draft as far as the smoothest guy having just pure pass he rush. he can do it yeah he really can do it. he's got great hips he's got a great bend he has got uh he's fluid as can be and where six, is he going to be drafted uh, he's going to be in the first round somewhere six, i don't know exactly where six four two sixty six and bench press 21 uh you know vertical jump 38 got up there well, I think he can, guy. and I think he can weigh a little bit more. He could probably play 270, 275, somewhere in that range. But he's a real, real smooth pass rusher, 
And uh, he's a guy. That's what I'm saying is that if, if, if you're the Jaguars, you could find a way to trade down. Like I said, there's probably not a, a very strong chance of that. But if you could, that's, I think, where that value is, is where like a guy like Karlaftis isn't going to end up being. But I think he's a, an intriguing prospect. He only played football for a short period of time because I think he came to this country at, at, at a late age. He's like he an eighth grade. Yeah, didn't yeah. start playing football until he got over here. So I, I, I think that – what that says is that there's a lot of untapped potential still there. And uh, and I think it's going to be interesting. And on the flip side of that, you have the safety at Notre Dame, Hamilton. Kyle Hamilton. Who many people believe that he is the – and have him listed as the highest-rated prospect in the draft. And he does have a lot of skills. And he's got size. He's, a, he's kind of a different safety in that – he almost has the build of a linebacker. You know, he's tall, he's rangy, but I think the one concern six that, four. that I, yeah that I would wow. have, which you, know, you don't see very many six four <laughs> safeties around, but in in today's NFL, a six four safety, you're thinking, can we convert him to linebacker? Right? I mean, that's what today's NFL is. Put a little more weight on him and throw him up there. Right? Yeah. Okay. But when you look at his forty time. Okay, you got his forty time there. Uh, I do. What is it? Four five nine. Okay, that's four six. Yeah. Okay, I I have a hard time because after watching the film of him, he's got ball skills, but there were some moments to where the 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 whole name of safety. Okay, is that you're the safety valve, right? <laughs> right. Last guy, last, uh, guy last guy line of defense, yeah. right? Uh-huh. And he missed some opportunities at the most critical point of the job description of playing safety he missed the opportunity at making a tackle that saved touchdowns and when you watched him pursue from a bad angle I sat there and I said to myself this guy's not that fast and I and I, this is before I looked at what the reports were what the numbers were from the combine and you look at the combine and you see four five nine okay that's four six that's not elite speed especially for a defensive back so I have a hard time Sitting there saying that he's the highest rated prospect when he runs a four five nine. Okay, if he was a linebacker and he ran four five nine and he was six four and he was two hundred and thirty pounds, maybe two twenty five, then you'd be oh excited about it because it's a different position requires different speed. But I'm sorry, I can't get on board with Hamilton being the highest rated prospect because four five nine doesn't do it for me. If you rewound to um let's say two, three months ago and looked at a lot of mock drafts, uh, NFL draft previews, Kayvon Thibodeau's name would have been right at the top of a lot of lists. In fact, early in the process, he was mocked to the Jaguars a lot, a a lot of these big-time mock drafts. That hasn't happened in a long, long time. Mm. What's the story with Kayvon Thibodeau? Well, he's interesting, and he's not a big guy. Okay, He's, He's kind of a true what you would describe as a linebacker. He's 6'4", 254 officially. Okay, so when you compare him to Karlaftis or Aiden Hutchinson uh, or the guy from Alabama, Alabama, Trayvon Walker. Georgia. Yep. Okay, or from Georgia. Yep. Trayvon Walker. He's not. He's not. He, he's much smaller. I mean, you know, with, I mean not, I'm not cutting hairs here. I mean, literally, when you watch the tape, you go, that guy is not that big. Ngakwe kind not, of thing? Not quite that small because okay. Ngakwe is like 235. I yeah, mean, a little shorter than that. Yeah, and a little shorter than that. But but the point is is that he's a little different type of player. 
he is truly, he's not a guy that you'd say, okay, we're going to put his hand in the ground and play a 4-3. I think he's a, he's a true 3-4 linebacker, and he's got some exceptional quickness off the ball. But he, do, he's not, he doesn't have a lot of moves. Okay, when you, when you pass rush, you have to have moves. And I think that's something that he's still learning. He doesn't have a patented move. Like Carl Aftis has got moves. Aiden Hutchinson has got moves. Trayvon Walker has got power. Okay, this guy, has, he's still trying to figure it out, it seems. And so I think that's one of the reasons why, I don't want to say his stock is, is dropped because I don't think it has. I think that's what, why he's rated a notch below some of these other guys at the top, but it's not a very big notch below now. Okay, But he's got superior athleticism. So with superior athleticism, you know that the guy has a chance of, of being great because when you watch an Aiden Hutchinson, you go, oh, my God, what a phenomenal athlete. You don't say that. Miles Garrett, when you watch the film, you went, oh, my God, right. this guy's sick. Okay. And, uh, and, but he's a superior athlete, so I think that gives him a chance at improving. Dante Fowler was that. Fantastic yeah, Dante, had, Dante Fowler was a phenomenal athlete. I mean, the first time I ever laid eyes on him in person, I was right. like, oh, my God. Right. But, but this, which I'm pointing at the head if you're listening on radio. Thank you. Uh, the, the mind and the body sometimes don't work together. And, and I'm not saying that to be mean other than to point out that if, if Dante had, because there's, and I'm not saying that a guy has to be smart to be able to play football, but you have to have the football instincts. And certain guys have instincts and play instinctual, even though the system, okay, may be a little bit complex, that that, that body naturally takes it over. And, uh, and with Dante, that was that never was his strong suit. He, but athletically, oh yeah, he's one of the greatest athletes I've ever seen. We'll come back in a moment. We'll take a live look at the football performance center. It's been a rainy day outside, and we'll also go around the National Football League. Our thanks to Mike Caldwell, Jaguars defensive coordinator, who joined us a little earlier on the show. And it's Jaguars happy hour on the Jaguars digital network. Welcome back. It's Jaguars Happy Hour Thursday afternoon. J.P. Shadrick with Jeff Lagerman. And if you're watching on Jaguars Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, or Jaguars.com, you're looking live at the Football Performance Center. And the footprint is taking shape more and more each day except today because it's raining cats and dogs off and on today, and it is a big mud pit today. But uh, we're still on track for training camp of 2023. They've been pouring concrete when it's been dry enough the last couple, uh, last week or so since we've had this program. They've added some concrete walls are going up. I saw blocks being put together yesterday, and uh, so that's pretty cool. Need to get the monster trucks out there. That's kind of what it looks like, right? Yeah. Monster Jam. Yeah, Monster Jam. Grave Digger. Mud Jam. Love it. Uh, So, of course, uh, we're looking forward to the progress there. Progress at the shipyards as well. The fire museum has moved down the street now. 
USS Orlick is in town now, uh, right on the riverfront downtown. Yeah. That's pretty cool. They're going to make a permanent home for that, I think, up in the shipyard somewhere. So did, uh, they, they, did, did they give a timeline on when that would be available? I don't know that. Yeah, that's, I don't that's know a good question. That. But, uh, but it's yeah, cool to see downtown. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing that. Pretty cool. Like uh, just driving by it and checking it out. It's uh, it's going to be a nice addition. That's a long time coming. That's a pretty cool addition to downtown right? yeah no yeah. doubt about very that. nice i'm looking forward for that uh, first tour of that as well hey let's go around the national football let's League do box. that a lot going on a lot around the nfl a lot two more coaches. big money well yeah big money and uh, yeah both ways i think uh two more coaches joined the brian flores suit against the nfl Steve Wilkes, the Cardinals head coach in 2018. Ray Horton, an assistant in the league since 94. He interviewed for the Titans job in 2016. And uh, there was a tweet earlier today that brought up a a Mike Malarkey podcast interview from a a year or so ago when he talked about the process of interviewing as the Titans head coach and felt like that, hey, they told him he already had the job, and that's what this comes from, the Ray Horton part of it. So that will be a continuing story. Obviously. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, the, the NFL's got a couple things that that are not very positive right now that they're dealing with. Uh, Brian Flory's lawsuit being one of them. The reports about Daniel Snyder on multiple fronts. Sure, they keep adding. Are not reflecting very well. Uh, congressional inquiries into different organizations, uh, sexual harassment type of things. So... Uh, yeah, the NFL is, uh, and and they'll get through it. Uh, they will, because they're going to make, I think, good decisions to make sure that the league is headed in the right direction. But right now, yeah, it's it's uh, not so good. And Deshaun Watson, I guess, now has to to give testimony as to the relationship with some of the consensual relationships that he had with massage therapists. So it's like. Wow, what's going there, on? There's a well. lot going a lot on. Happening. The NFL's probably sitting there going, "Can we get to the draft quickly, please?" Right. Pro Football Talk earlier today cited multiple sources that after his retirement originally, Tom Brady would have been introduced as minority owner of the Dolphins. The report on February 28th that the Dolphins had planned to pursue a Sean Payton Tom Brady package deal. But then the Brian Flores lawsuit came, filed the same day Brady retired, and the Dolphins pulled the plug on that plan of bringing both together in Miami. That would have been something else. Well, it... it, Obviously, with everything going on with Stephen Ross, too. That would have have been very interesting. And I don't think there's any doubt that the Bradys can afford to be a part owner of a franchise. Look, uh, both Mr. and Mrs. do very well, and I think the Mrs. does better than the Mr., Absolutely. Um, also, somebody else doing very well these days is Stefan Diggs. Four years, $104 million extension, including $70 million guaranteed dollars. His contract now runs through 2027 with the Bills, a total value of $124 million. Add it to the list of wide receiver mega contracts. Tyreek Hill, $72 million guaranteed with the Dolphins. Devontae Adams, $65 million guaranteed with the Raiders. Big money. That's what I was talking about. Yes. Big money, and I, the wide receiver position is crazy. The uh, the Deshaun Watson contract, I think, is ridiculous. The 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 contracts for the wide receivers. How so? How is it ridiculous? Well, the, 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 the amount the, of money the, or guaranteed money. What's the guaranteed am, am, amount of money yeah. for for a a person that has some unresolved issues? I think that that was a poor decision 
by the Haslam's who admitted that they didn't know what they were doing at the onset of their period of time when they first bought or acquired the Cleveland Browns. But the reality is, is that when you do a deal like this, you're saying that we didn't know what we were doing. I, I think the argument could be made that it's very apparent that you don't, still don't know what you're doing. Because when other owners say that that's not a good thing for the NFL, when you give a guy that has issues that kind of guaranteed money, like Stephen Biscotti said, uh, the Baltimore Ravens, yeah, that's a problem. That's a, that's, I think that's a big problem. Now, a guy like Devontae Adams and the money that he got, okay, Diggs, okay. I mean, these guys proven are players. proven, productive, clean. Nothing off the field. No, no off the field issues. Tyreek Hill, off now, the field okay, issues. he's got sure. he's got some off the field issues. So but he can play, but he can play like nobody's business. Yeah. So I, I mean, that's just so. I mean, I'm I'm glad some of these guys are getting the money and the guaranteed money is coming. I think that's good for NFL players because NFL players have always had that issue that. There's very little money that has been guaranteed in their contracts over the years, so I think this is a positive thing, but I also think it needs to be positive from the standpoint of the teams need to be given that to players that don't have any issues. Nate Hackett and the Broncos uh, using their top 30 visits, interestingly. One of those, an ex-lacrosse star making a visit with the Broncos. Jared Bernhardt was a member of the Maryland lacrosse team last spring and won the award as the nation's best collegiate lacrosse player in 2021. He then transferred, grad transfer, played quarterback at Ferris State in Michigan last season, led them to a Division II national championship in football. He'll be a receiver and kick returner in the NFL. Why not? What a path. Uh, why not? Uh, hey, by the way, Patrick Kearney. You remember Patrick Kearney played defensive end for the Atlanta Falcons yeah. and also went on to play for the Seattle Seahawks, was one of the – was a uh, uh, college lacrosse player at the University of Virginia. And so, look, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with bringing a guy that played in college lacrosse. I think there's some crossover. Uh, Jim Brown, one of the greatest lacrosse players ever go. at Syracuse. There you go. Ever. Uh, so, uh, so I, but I think this is a little uh, – this is pretty cool in that, you know, he went somewhere else, played a little football. I mean, good stuff. I mean, I think that's a good decision there. Athletes are athletes, and they all don't make the conversion from one sport to another, but I think lacrosse and football, I think there's uh, there's some similarities there. Logs, great stuff. We'll talk to you again next week. Looking forward to it. Joe Fortunato, Brent Reber for Jeff Logman and defensive coordinator Mike Caldwell. I'm J.P. Shadrick. Thank you for listening. We'll catch you next time. It's Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network.